One day when Jesus was teaching, he explained what the end of times will be like. He said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. Then he'll also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't take me in, naked, and you didn't clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Years ago, our family toured the historic U.S. prison on Alcatraz Island in San Francisco Bay that housed some of America's most dangerous criminals from the 1930s through the 60s. It was really sad to be in that prison for obvious reasons, but this prison is particularly oppressive because of how removed it is from civilization as a literal island. At the time, I'd been thinking quite a bit about the words of Jesus that I just quoted to you, and I was reminded of what was said about being in prison. As I walked the rows of tiny cells, I imagined how profoundly lonely and worthless each man must have felt as he sat in his cell year after year without having anyone visit him. Talk about believing the lie that you don't matter. For those of us who've never been in prison, it's probably impossible for us to really fathom the significance of even one person making the effort to come to the island and visit us. But surely if we were there and someone did visit us, it would say this one thing to our heart, that we matter and we were cared about. After pondering this description from Jesus, 
of the account that all nations and people will give one day of the choices we've made, I believe there are several relevant points that God is communicating to us. It's a way of expanding our perspective of who God really is. Notice, He doesn't divide us according to the many things we could list as good or bad in our eyes. Consider how He chooses to explain the whole wrap-up of the end of time as a sorting of nations and people according to one basic idea. Did we recognize Him even in the least and lowliest among us? And did we care about what and who He cares about enough to let them know their worth to Him? Some have taken these Bible verses to mean that God really wants us to be kind to the ones He highlights here by taking care of the poor, the hungry, the thirsty, strangers, sick, and prisoners. Of course that's understood. But if you notice, he didn't separate us based on the solutions that we brought to them. If so, certainly he would have instructed us to teach the hungry to grow food and to dig wells for the thirsty. He would have told us, help the strangers and those who need clothes to find jobs so they can afford clothing and homes, lead prisoners to Christ and heal the sick. Obviously, Those are also important things for us to do, and the Bible reiterates that in other ways. But I believe that Jesus was giving us a clue, a significant clue, about who God is. He isn't simply one who wants us to care for the needy, as important as that is. When he says we did it to him when we did it to the least of these, he's telling us an important reality about himself. He equates himself with the most needy among us. Each needy person Jesus spoke of has this in common. They're in a life circumstance that would make it nearly impossible to believe that anyone cares about them or that they even matter. When you're at the bottom of life without the most basic needs of food, water, shelter, and clothing, and you're so sick or stuck in prison that you are utterly alone, you must likely end up in the worst crisis of all, the belief that God doesn't exist or that He doesn't see you. When you don't feel like you have even one person who cares about you and reaches out to you in some tangible way, it's practically impossible to believe that God cares about you. The greatest desire of God's heart is that each of his children have the opportunity to know that he loves them, he cares about them, and that they have great significance to him. The test at the end of the age is this. Will we get that part of God's heart enough to properly represent his care and his love to those who have no way of knowing it unless we demonstrate it? Will we overcome Satan's lies about God and restore his correct reputation to those who need it the most. How do we restore culture that reflects God's love for everyone? We must use the knowledge of God, the truth about who he is and the area of culture that you're passionate about to show his care by bringing his solutions to every problem that tempts our hearts to believe that he doesn't care. When we know him, we'll know what He cares about. 
We won't care about what we think He doesn't care about. When we know what He cares about, we can access His better ways of doing everything. When things are done His way, others will know the truth about Him as the God who's made each of us in His image and given us worth and love beyond the pain we may be trapped in. You can partner with God in restoring love to our culture the way God originally intended it to be. Love is action. When there's a famine, love is poured out as food. Where there is chaos, love is offered as peace. Wherever hearts believe they don't matter, love brings the truth in a practical way until the heart becomes convinced. When someone is in need and you become the solution, love has come from God through you to another one of His sons and daughters. Their perspective of God and of themselves is healed and expanded as you care about others like God does. And you care about others like He does once you become convinced of His care for you. I pray that today you believe on a deeper level than ever before, in your very core, just how much God loves you. Unconditionally, without agenda, He is for you and He is never against you. You matter to Him. He's given you important things to do and say because you are important. If you feel any kind of distance from Him, just know that He's always been with you, even when it's been hard to find evidence of that. Talk to Him. Trust Him. He cares. This podcast was made available by contributions from listeners like you. To donate, go online to restore7.org. Thank you.